These days, Bengaluru's Garden City label has been reduced to a wistful nostalgic feeling. And when asked, most people will say that some of their favourite memories in the city have been created amidst the lush green backdrop of the city's public parks and tree-lined avenues. For me, one of the most beautiful things that I see in the city, it's a cabin park on a Sunday, where you have all these families coming in their autos, you know, with their mats and big tiffins of food, rolling it out over there. It's such a wonderful, nice kind of a community uh, feel that you get over there. Can that be done anywhere else? We are definitely spoiled living in the city. Its climate, its trees, its lakes. While we bemoan the shrinking green cover that is making space for steel flyovers and gated communities and tech parks, most of the time Bengaluru's residents spend outside, it is in transit, always going somewhere. What does that say about our connection with the outdoors in the city? One of the objectives of building a sustainable and livable city is to create more spaces for people to spend time outside. Spaces that blend the built environment with the natural environment. Spaces intentionally designed to be inclusive. Across the SDGs, there's a strong cross-cutting theme about the quality of life in cities and the importance of conserving the environment to achieve that goal. This is because it is well established that the outside natural environment is deeply connected to our sense of well-being. Multiple studies have shown that even a brief amount of time spent in nature reduces feelings of stress, fear and anger and increases a sense of connection with each other and the world at large. Exposure to nature has also been shown to contribute to actual physical well-being in the form of reduced blood pressure, heart rate and production of stress hormones and the reverse is equally true. Bengaluru has always had the perfect climate, salubrious and never too hot or too cold. Its location on the Deccan Plateau, the fact that its rain days were typically well dispersed across the entire year, the abundance of lakes and gardens made it a dream city for its residents. But unfortunately, much of this is no more. Welcome to Uru a podcast that talks to Bengaluru citizens about how they are addressing sustainability in their city. I'm your host Manasi Pingre and I work with the Bengaluru Sustainability Forum, an inter-institutional initiative to foster conversations, build bridges and encourage interdisciplinary collaborations working towards Bengaluru's sustainable future. Uru is brought to you by the Bengaluru Sustainability Forum and Vaka Media. episode we ask, what is Bengaluru doing to help people enjoy the outdoors and cultivate a better relationship with nature in the city? Do we need to change our relationship with the outdoors? Bengaluru citizenry is very active and civic participation is strong. However, there are some challenges in bringing about widespread change. We hear from people who have worked to nurture an interest in the city's biodiversity, make the city's parks more accessible, get citizens to spend more time outdoors, and improve accessibility to public space for recreation and play. And we hear about the importance of including young people in the conversation. Uma Ramakrishnan is a molecular ecologist at the National Center for Biological Sciences. 
She is also on the steering committee of the Bengaluru Sustainability Forum. For this episode, Uma spoke to Kartikeyan Srinivasan. Kartikeyan, better known as Karthik, is the chief naturalist of Jungle Lodges, and much of his day job sees him interacting with the wilder spaces that Karnataka is well known for. Karthik is also a nature lover, butterfly specialist, and long-time Bengaluru resident. So, uh, Karthik, it will be great to get a little bit of background as to you know how did you become interested in nature? Was this uh, at a very young age? It all started with uh, one of my teachers telling me that when you have free time, why don't you just go bird watching? It was an unknown thing during the uh, early 80s, and Bangalore, not too many people were into birding. Uh, I learned much later that there was a very small band of people who did go out bird watching, but then didn't take it very seriously. Somewhere along the line, uh, another friend of mine and I decided to get onto our cycles and then cycle barely 10 minutes away from where I lived in South Bangalore. And uh, we hit a patch of um, wild growth um, for a scrub jungle kind of a place. We were quite fascinated by the number of different species of birds that we got to see and all of that. And it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience at the end of the whole thing. Though we didn't really learn anything much, though we didn't know the names of birds and all of that, this made us go back into doing the same thing again. So we repeated this, but this time only we did have notebooks and pens with us and we tried to write down whatever little we observed about birds. And then we made a beeline to a library to try and pull out some bird books to check what birds that we had seen. And slowly we started learning names of birds and uh, I think the bug bit us then. And I don't think it has left me until today. Particularly in Bangalore, I think it's one of the best places to do anything to do with nature, if you ask me. If you look back and uh, counted the top organizations in the country which are uh, working in the space, they're all in Bangalore. You organize an event and then send out invites, you will have uh, more than what you can deal with, unlike in many, many other cities. So I think Bangalore has always been a place which has been very open to such things, particularly to do with nature. But then I would think there is a, a cyclical thing that is going on. For nearly 10 years after I started, and there were not too many recruits happening into the birding circles. But um, around that time, around 10 years, hence, suddenly there were a whole lot of people that came into Bangalore. And slowly as the IT happened to Bangalore, I think there's a lot more people who got into it, primarily from the point of view of photography, because there was spare money available, people traveled, people bought expensive equipment, which was not available in India. So people started coming back to India with all this gear and uh, photography sort of became a big big thing and this whole renewed interest in nature became very, very obvious. Karthik, I was also thinking about, for example, with your experience from your job, do you see something similar also in terms of uh, interest in nature? So not just, you know, seeing the big tigers and elephants, but also a broad interest in nature itself. Talking about my job itself, I think I would want to go back into my WWF days as well, where I worked for close to 13 years or thereabouts, where my primary interactions used to be with students and children. There was a huge amount of interest amongst children those days. I mean, I'm talking about the 90s, the pretty much whole of 90s. But somewhere along the line, again, this whole IT thing, people having traveled abroad, coming back, they would start asking a lot of questions. I mean, as children, when we went out, nobody really cared. We did, went out and we did what we wanted. When parents came back and saw their children being taken out, they would ask, will they get this, will they get that? 
is there clean water is there shade a whole battery of questions would be fired at us so that again i think became a little bit of an impediment in the sense that parents by virtue of their concern for their children sort of held back and stopped sending children out for a lot of these outdoor activities so there was a bit of a setback there on one side people who traveled abroad came back with renewed interest but on the other side a slight setback was also to be seen in my current position i do see a lot of people who have uh, taken a lot of interest and that's what pretty much drives the whole wildlife tourism sector today not just in karnataka but across the country but across the country i would think there is still this bias towards the large cats the charismatic megafauna but today the number of people who are looking at butterflies is i mean perhaps as comparable to that of uh, people who look at birds so there is a huge shift but then i think uh, the primary driver of the industry still seems to be the large cats and the megafauna it's almost like you know for a lot of people to get people interested in nature in a sense it is kind of important or essential to still have a hook whether that hook is birds or butterflies true true very much very much indeed uh, people have bucket list people who start their uh, journey into looking at nature they start with this huge excitement and one driving factor for a fairly long time for many people will be the new species that they keep seeing from time to time the moment um, the number of species that they see new species they see starts you know petering out and then their interest also follows that is sad in many cases and of course also there could be other factors which have influence on the level of interest they have but most people like you rightly said are interested in going out there seeing making lists uh, maybe photographing them sharing them on social media which is a big thing these days but uh, beyond that there are not too many people there are uh, odd efforts wherein long term documentation or monitoring happens but other than that there isn't too much that happens as far as monitoring change is concerned the reality is the city has a lot of different people and you do see you know people fishing at lakes and so on so how about other segments of society do you see them having a relationship with nature in the city and what does that relationship look like i think it's been fairly well documented over a period of time that lots of people do use nature in different ways knowingly or unknowingly it could be just from a very livelihood point of view where like you rightly said people are seen with a stick with a wire at the end of it and a hook trying to catch fish and there could also be people who could be standing under the tree under the shade of a tree vending something so it could be use of nature in different ways but many times without really realizing it i think they realize the importance of these things once that particular resource is taken away that's a wonderful point you bring up kartik because i have often felt that that sometimes with nature and the, in some sense the intangible things we get from it it almost feels like we don't realize what we are getting until we actually lose it so i <laughs> that that almost seems like a no win situation i'm just thinking that given we are bound to see in the future a lot more urbanization you know how do you think we can go forward from a perspective of still keeping some relationship and bits of nature in the city 
Well, I guess uh, you are very right when you're pointed out that uh, urbanization is only going to increase and there are more people that are going to be coming into the city and then uh, which is also going to be detrimental to whatever little open spaces that we have in the city because there's going to be so much more pressure on land for a variety of reasons. It could be for public amenities, it could be for infrastructure to deal with you know, increasing population and all of that. And we've seen quite a bit of all these things already. Lovely stretches of parks have been taken away for infrastructure projects. And this is something that is bound to happen. If we want to retain any green spaces, any natural spaces within the city, I think long-term planning is what is absolutely necessary. For example, if you're looking at road widening, road widening happens end to end. Acquired land is just about enough for the road. And there is no planning beyond that. And there is no planning for planting trees that were cut down. There's no provision made for that. And these are things which become very crucial in a city like Bangalore. Also given the fact that Bangalore in the past used to be a lot greener, much smaller of course. And there was a lot of movement of organisms from one part of the city to the other. This was possible because there was a lot of greenery around the city, be it public spaces, be it private spaces. Those things are dwindling and also the gardens that we are trying to create in new layouts and such places are very often filled with a lot of exotics which don't necessarily support a lot of diversity. It does support some, but you are not basically getting the full potential of the place if you had, say, for example, native flora in that area. So I guess uh, it's important for us to look at many of these aspects, look at planning the city in a more meaningful way in the long term. In many ways, Bangalore is already ripe for such planning in the sense that you have a citizenry who's interested in nature. As you said yourself, there are uh, many organizations which are promoting you know, citizen participation and watching of nature. For example, you're part of the Bangalore Wildlife Friends, uh, which has been going on for a very long time as a group. Uh, there are also people with broader interest in this but then why isn't it happening? We've had several decisions like the steel flyover or this uh, specific avenue or that one or whatever redevelopment. How do we move to a more planning-based, longer-term thinking model? And is this something the citizens should push? How do you think maybe a way for that? Well, I really wouldn't have an answer to this question, but I think somewhere along the line, there is a lack of participation in the planning process. I think the government decides this is the way it has to be done and therefore it is done. There is no consultation process as much as there should be to make sure that all aspects of the requirement of the citizens are taken into consideration while planning of new layout of the city is undertaken. It could be a lot of things. It's not just about green spaces. It could be conveniences for physically challenged. It could be conveniences for the elderly. It could be uh, spaces for uh, children. It could be you know, several of these things that need to be kept in mind when planning happens. But I'm sure some of these things are considered because you do see parks and things like that put in place. But then is it enough is the question. So I think to be able to manage that part, I think there is huge requirement for participatory approach to planning of the city itself. And we're really lucky in Bangalore that we have a deep history of interest in nature and a connect to nature and many organizations that provide you know, such opportunities for citizens and children to participate. But at the same time, you know, with the growth of the city, many of these 
opportunities will be threatened simply because we'll be losing these spaces as time goes on without proper planning. And so there's an urgent need for us all to really try and engage with this process of planning and understanding and maybe influencing the future of our city. Hopefully there will still be spaces for nature. And this is not just because of a fascination for nature, but also because it helps all of us, right? And I guess we can always look at places like the UK, where I think, I hope I'm not wrong in this statistic, but something like 1% of the population are actually registered bird watchers. And so it's almost like a voting bank. The number of bird watchers, membership to the bird watching groups in UK, I think surpasses any single political party. So it's a fairly large, <laughs> you know, uh, enterprise there. And a lot of economic activity um, is also revolving around that from the sale of uh, equipment to books and a whole lot of things. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, maybe, you know, if we can build towards that kind of a vision where all the people who really stand for nature can also be a political force, that might be a way, you know, to think about the future as well. While the city is known for its inaccessible ward-level parks that have odd timings and that are very closely monitored, there is an increasing awareness that parks need to be opened up and used by people in the neighbourhoods and community. Artists have even made this issue a part of their work, like Surekha Sharda's moving movie on Park Padma, a homeless woman who lived in Kaban Park for nearly 20 years. With Bengaluru still called the Garden City, it would be easy to think that the young people of the city have ample green spaces to play. While it's true that the city is home to Kaban Park and Lalbagh, are there enough play areas across the city? Who can access these spaces? Who is made to feel welcome? And are all children able to take part in recreational activities? Many groups in the city have had to campaign for public space and access that meets even basic requirements. A 2017 survey by the NGO Janagraha of 1,115 parks and 192 playgrounds in the Bruhat Bengaluru Mahanagar Palike found that 21% of them were inaccessible to the public. Less than 40% of the parks and playgrounds have playing equipment and only 56% have adequate lighting. These are issues that the Bengaluru's concerned citizens and non-profits have been trying to find solutions for, and many work with the local government. From creating the country's first accessible parks to setting up after-school centres where children from underserved communities can kick a ball around, to petitioning their local corporator to prevent their local park from being raised to make way for an office. But how much can civil society do? Where does the buck stop? Are our children playing enough? It was in 2000 that I moved to Bangalore. 
2002 when I had my son. And my son had a seizure disorder, which also led to certain features of autism. Kavita Krishnamurthy says that her organization Kilikili grew from both of these experiences or identities. My experience as a professional, as well as my experience as a parent. On these visits to the park, she and her husband started to notice something. One of the evenings, my husband just happened to remark that uh, how come we don't see a child with a disability in a park? And that actually uh, was a very interesting question because it was true that we never saw a child with any kind of a disability or any kind of specialized needs in the park. And then I started googling around and trying to see whether there are any public spaces in India which have had facilities which would welcome uh, children of all abilities. And I didn't find anything in a public space. So there were some things where, you know, special schools had kind of maybe done their play area or something like that. But in a public space in India, I couldn't find anything. A child's right to play is enshrined in Article 31 of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, which states that every child has the right to relax, play and take part in a wide range of cultural and artistic activities. Kavita was trained in social work and worked for many years in Mumbai on poverty issues and focusing on children's rights, especially with street children, children who live on the pavements, working on issues of homelessness, education and labour. I felt that whole aspect of play, which is so integral to a child's life, was completely or almost completely being missed out by our children. The organisation was formed by a group of parents who wanted a public space that welcomes all children. And we were very clear from the beginning that it had to be in a public place space. Because we felt that our children are anyway very invisibilized. And uh, you don't see them in public spaces. And uh, we wanted to kind of see whether we can really address that. People who said, you know, why are you even trying to do something in a public place space? Because that means you have to work with the BBMP. And we all know how it is. And it's going to be so tough. And you already have so many challenges. Why do you want to take this on? This actually is a common question that a lot of civic groups across the city contend with. There are real challenges in working with the city's administration and the experience of Kilikili shows how these administrative processes can be navigated. First thing we did was we had consultative processes with children with disabilities and with those who care for them. So what we did was we took a bunch of kids with locomotor disabilities, with visual impairment, with hearing impairment to Coles Park. Like there were stones on which they were tripping. None of the play equipment were usable. A child on a wheelchair said, I could not get onto any play equipment. And actually it was an eye-opening kind of an exercise because the kind of things that kids uh, see and from their perspective was... Some ways also, you know, different from how we would have seen it. You know, they came up with things like there needs to be a first aid box in the premises. Dogs should not be allowed. People who drink and smoke should not be allowed. It was not only about play equipment. We again repeated the process with their teachers, special educators, therapists, parents. We kind of sat with all these inputs that came through. And then we tried to put it into a proposal for the BBMP. Working with the higher levels of BBMP was very easy. Mr. Jairaj was then the commissioner and it didn't take any contact. We just went to the secretary and said that we want an appointment with Mr. Jairaj. We got that appointment. And you won't believe this, but it took us all of three minutes to convince him that to say a yes to Coles Park.
from the BBMP HQ level. There was just no problem. The problem was how that got translated to the ward level, the level of where actual work happens. So we would keep following up and we would give the designs and we said, okay, now what? What's the next step? And nothing was happening. So this went on for almost some, I, I don't know, about six months or so. So what we did was we went to Mr. Jairaj and we said, look, uh, we want to inaugurate this park on 3rd December. So we have two months and we've got to do it. And uh, he, he said, uh, you know, okay, we'll do it. And we just printed invitations and we said, Mr. Jairaj is inaugurating this park. There's nothing happened on the ground. Nothing. And that brought in a lot of pressure to the, you know, the actual, uh, you know, implementers. Although Kelly's initiative was started by concerned parents for their differently abled children, the park drew in kids from across the neighborhood, from all backgrounds. There is such a paucity of good play uh, resources. Obviously, when something gets created, it gets overused. It was children using it, you know, who needed the play space and who needed to be playing and, you know, access to good play equipments, which was not there earlier. And they just came and they had fun. Kilikili has set up a number of inclusive parks after the first park was established in Coles Park in 2006. They have inspired similar projects across the country, proving the design principle that when you design for the weakest members of the community, you design for all. Dream a Dream is a well-known organization that started in Bengaluru and has used the outdoors and sports as a way to coach children from low-income backgrounds and vulnerable communities. And one of their core activities is building life skills. Radhika and Samyukta, the producers of Uru, went to visit one of their coaching clubs in the south of the city in Bomanhalli, a concrete jungle that is perhaps the gateway to one of the city's largest IT hubs. So we drove off the main road and through some congested back lanes deep into Bomanhalli and we were so pleasantly surprised to arrive at this large open space, a quote-unquote ground or a maidan, that was walled in on three sides by apartment buildings. Okay, now present the ground the back side of school. There are apartments and buildings Everyday maklu bandu atar tertera, different schools bandu play madatay. Mathe dor-dor-dor community aliro youngsters kuda bandu cricket atar volleyball, throwball, different activities ala daily madatir tera. Year once football tournament anta madatibe, ona sela government skills perutay. Bandu auru namma life skills program nadap makolal ke easy agatan teri na wondo football tournament madatibe. And this is where we met Pallavi, a young woman mentor who was the coach. And she was coaching a group of sweet eight to ten year old girls. He's a coach. Nim friends are the best player. Nagratna. Nagratna. What does he play? Nagratna. Football. Football. Which position? Your position at the Striker. Striker. Pallavi also grew up in this neighborhood and went through the program herself. And she tells us how she first opted to take up computer science classes, but then switched to football. 
ನನ್ನ ಇಂಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ನನ್ನ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಸೆಟ್ ಏನಿತ್ತು ಅಂದರೆ ಗರ್ಲ್ಸು ಅಷ್ಟೊಂದು ಸ್ಪೋರ್ಟ್ಸಲ್ಲಿ ಇನ್ವಾಲ್ವ್ ಆಗಬಾರ್ದು ಮತ್ತು ಆ ಕ್ಲಾತ್ಸು ಶಾರ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಎಲ್ಲ ಹಾಕಬೇಕು ಅದರಿಂದ ಪ್ರಾಬ್ಲಮ್ ಆಗುತ್ತೆ ಅಂತ ಆ ಇಂಟೆನ್ಷನಿಂದ ನಾನು ಕಂಪ್ಯೂಟರ್ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರಾಮ್ಗೆ ಸೇರಿಕೊಂಡೆ ಟೆಂತ್ವರೆಗೂ ಕಂಪ್ಯೂಟರ್ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರಾಮಲ್ಲೇ ಇದ್ದೆ ಆಮೇಲೆ ಕಾಲೇಜ್ಗೆ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಆದಮೇಲೆ ಕಾಲೇಜಲ್ಲಿ ಹೋಗಬೇಕಾದ್ರೆ ಮತ್ತೆ ನನಗೆ ಇಂಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ ಇತ್ತು ಡ್ರೀಮೇ ಡ್ರೀಮಲ್ಲಿ ಮತ್ತೆ ಜಾಯ್ನ್ ಆಗಬೇಕು ಅಂತ ಆಮೇಲೆ ನನ್ನ ಫ್ರೆಂಡ್ಸ್ ಸಪೋರ್ಟಿಂದ ನಾನು ಮತ್ತೆ ಡ್ರೀಮ್ ಕನೆಕ್ಟ್ ಸೆಂಟರ್ ಅಂತ ಇತ್ತು ಆಗ ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಸ್ಪೋಕನ್ ಇಂಗ್ಲೀಷು ಮತ್ತು ಸೇಮ್ ಕಂಪ್ಯೂಟರ್ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರಾಮು ಲರ್ನೈಟಿ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರಾಮ್ ಎಲ್ಲ ಹೇಳ್ಕೊಡ್ತಿದ್ರು ಆಗ ಲೆವೆಂತ್ ಟ್ವೆಲ್ತ್ ನನ್ನ ಪಿ ಯು ಸಿ ಮುಗಿಯೋವರೆಗೂ ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಮತ್ತೆ ಸ್ಟೂಡೆಂಟಾಗಿ ಜಾಯ್ನ್ ಆಗಿ ಆಲ್ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ ಫೈವ್ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ ನಾನು ಗ್ರಾಜ್ಯುಯೇಟ್ ಸ್ಟೂಡೆಂಟಾಗಿ ಡ್ರೀಮೇ ಡ್ರೀಮಲ್ಲಿ ಇದ್ದೆ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ನಾನು ಟ್ವೆಲ್ತ್ ಮುಗಿಸಿದ ಮೇಲೆ ನಾನು ಜಾಬ್ಗೆ ಸರ್ಚ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಾಯಿದ್ದೆ ನಿಮ್ಮ ಎಲ್ಲಾದರೂ ಕೆಲಸಕ್ಕೆ ಹೋಗಬೇಕು ಯಾಕಂದರೆ ಫೈನಾನ್ಷಿಯಲಿ ತುಂಬ ಪ್ರಾಬ್ಲಮ್ ಇತ್ತು ಮನೇಲಿ ಅಮ್ಮಗೆ ಕಿಡ್ನಿ ಫೇಲ್ಯೂರ್ ಆಗಿತ್ತು ಆ ಟೈಮಲ್ಲಿ ಫೈನಾನ್ಸ್ ತುಂಬ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ಆಗಿತ್ತು ಅದಕ್ಕೋಸ್ಕರ ನಾನು ಡ್ರೀಮೇ ಡ್ರೀಮ್ ಮತ್ತೆ ಹೋಗಿ ಡ್ರೀಮೇ ಡ್ರೀಮ್ನ ಚೂಸ್ ಮಾಡಿದೆ ನನ್ನ ಕೆರಿಯರಾಗಿ ಆಮೇಲೆ ಹೋಗಿ ಇಂಟರ್ವ್ಯೂ ಅಟೆಂಡ್ ಮಾಡಿದೆ ತ್ರೀ ಇಂಟರ್ ತ್ರೀ ರೌಂಡ್ಸ್ ಇಂಟರ್ವ್ಯೂ ಇತ್ತು ಪಾಸಾಗಿ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಫೆಸಿಲಿಟೇಟರ್ ಆಗಿ ಜಾಯ್ನ್ ಆದೆ ಬಟ್ ನನಗೆ ಆಗ ಅಷ್ಟೊಂದು ನಾಲೆಡ್ಜ್ ಇರಲಿಲ್ಲ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಬಗ್ಗೆ ಹೆಂಗೆ ಆಡೋದು ಹೆಂಗೆ ಟೀಚ್ ಮಾಡೋದು ಅಂತ ಅದಾದಮೇಲೆ ನಾನು ಸೇರ್ಕೊಂಡ್ಮೇಲೆ ನಾನು ಎವ್ರಿ ಡೇ ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟೀಸ್ಗೆ ಹೋಗ್ತಿದ್ದೆ ನಮಗೆ ಕೋಚ್ ಇದ್ದರು ಅವರು ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟಿ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಹೇಳ್ಕೊಡ್ತಿದ್ರು ಆದಮೇಲೆ ಆ ಫೆಸಿಲಿಟೇಟರ್ ಆಗಿ ನಾನು ಸ್ಕೂಲ್ಸ್ಗೆ ನಾನು ಹಾಕಿದಾಗ ಅಲೋಕೇಟ್ ಮಾಡಿದಾಗ ಮಕ್ಕಳಂತರ ಇಂದನೂ ತುಂಬ ಕಲಿತಾ ಇದ್ದೆ ಮತ್ತು ತುಂಬ ಎಂಕರೇಜ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ರು ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಟೀಮಿಂದ ನಿಮಗೆ ಆಗುತ್ತೆ ಎಲ್ಲ ಆಗುತ್ತೆ ಮಾಡು ಅಂತೆಲ್ಲ ಎಂಕರೇಜ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ರು that she returned to become a coach and teach the next generation of young women. Pallavi also told us about her family's reaction when she told them that she wanted to play sports because that meant wearing a sports uniform as part of the gear. First, she refused to refuse. She said, I was starting to fix my mindset. She said, I was going to go to sports. I was going to go to school and I was going to go to school. I was going to go to school and I was going to go to school. ಯಾಕಂದರೆ ನಾನು ತುಂಬ ಕಲ್ಚರ್ನ ಫಾಲೋ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ದೆ ತುಂಬ ಟ್ರೆಡಿಷ್ನಲ್ ಆಗಿದ್ದೆ ನಾನು ಅದಕ್ಕೆ ಅವ್ರನ್ನ ಆ ಥರ ಬರೋ ಫ್ರೆಂಡ್ಸು ನಾನು ಅವಾಯ್ಡ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ದೆ ಬಟ್ ನಾನು ಒನ್ಸ್ ಡ್ರೀಮೇ ಡ್ರೀಮಲ್ಲಿ ಜಾಯ್ನ್ ಆದಮೇಲೆ ನಾನು ಸ್ಕೂಲ್ಗೆ ಹೋದೆ ಫೆಸಿಲಿಟೇಟರ್ ಆಗಿ ಮಕ್ಕಳು ಎಷ್ಟು ಖುಷಿಯಾಗಿ ಪ್ಲೇ ಮಾಡ್ಬೇಕಾದ್ರೆ ಅವ್ರ ಮುಖದಲ್ಲಿ ಕಾಣ್ತಿದ್ದಿದ್ದು ಹ್ಯಾಪಿನೆಸ್ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲಿಂದ ಅದು ನಾನು ಎಂಜಾಯ್ ಮಾಡೋಕ್ಕೆ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಮಾಡಿದೆ ಆದಮೇಲೆ ಒನ್ಸ್ ನಾನು ಬ್ರೆಜಿಲ್ಗೆ ಹೋದಾಗ ಅಲ್ಲಿರೋ ಎನ್ವೈರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಕಲ್ಚರು ಟ್ರೆಡಿಷನ್ನು ಒಂದು ಸ್ಪೋರ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಅಂತ ನಾವು ಅದನ್ನು ಆಕ್ಸೆಪ್ಟ್ ಮಾಡಿದ್ಮೇಲೆ ಅದಕ್ಕೋಸ್ಕರ ನಾವು ಏನು ಮಾಡೋದಕ್ಕಾದರೂ ರೆಡಿ ಇರಬೇಕು ಅನ್ನೋದನ್ನು ನಾನು ಕಲಿತೆ ಅದಾದಮೇಲೆ ನಾನು ಇವಾಗ ಎವ್ರಿ ಡೇ ನಾನು ಸೆಷನ್ ಮಾಡಬೇಕಾದ್ರೆ ಟ್ರ್ಯಾಕಲ್ಲೇ ಬರೋದು ಟ್ರ್ಯಾಕಲ್ಲಿ ಬರಬೇಕು ಶೂಸಲ್ಲಿ ಬರಬೇಕು ಅದಾದಮೇಲೆ ನಮ್ಮ ಬ್ರೆಜಿಲ್ಗೆ ಹೋಗೋಕ್ಕಿಂತ ಮುಂಚೆನೇ ನನ್ನ ಕೆಲಸನ ನಾನು ಯಾವಾಗ ಇಷ್ಟ ಪಡೋಕ್ಕೆ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಮಾಡಿದ್ನೋ ನನ್ನ ಪೇರೆಂಟ್ಸ್ನ ಕನ್ವಿನ್ಸ್ ಮಾಡಿದೆ ಇದೆಲ್ಲ ಏನು ದೊಡ್ಡ ತಪ್ಪಲ್ಲ ಎಷ್ಟೋ ಜನ ಏನೇನೋ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ದಾರೆ ನಾನು ಜಸ್ಟು ಒಂದು ಗರ್ಲಾಗಿ ಸ್ಪೋರ್ಟ್ಸ್ನ ಆ್ಯಕ್ಸೆಪ್ಟ್ ಮಾಡಿಕೊಂಡು ನನ್ನ ನನ್ನ ಕೆರಿಯರ್ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ದೀನಿ ಅಂತ ಹೇಳಿದೆ ಅದಾದಮೇಲೆ ನನ್ನ ನನಗೆ ಆಪರ್ಚುನಿಟೀಸ್ ಸಿಕ್ಕಿದ್ದು ಮತ್ತು ನನ್ನ ಬಗ್ಗೆ ಕಮ್ಯುನಿಟಿಯಲ್ಲಿ ಮಾತಾಡೋದು ನೋಡಿ ಅವ್ರಿಗೂ ಖುಷಿ ಆಯಿತು ಯಾಕೆಂದರೆ ನಮ್ಮ ಬ್ರೆಜಿಲ್ಗೆ ಹೋಗಿ ಇವಾಗ ಯಾವುದೇ ಒಂದು ಪೇರೆಂಟ್ಸ್ಗೆ ಅವ್ರ ಮಗು ಅವ್ರ ಮುಂದೆ ಯಾವ್ದಾದ್ರು ಔಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಕಂಟ್ರಿಗೆ ಹೋಗ್ತಿದ್ದಾರೆ ಏನೋ ಒಂದು ಅಚೀವ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ದಾರೆ ಅಂದರೆ
ಎಲ್ರಿಗೂ ಒಂಥರ ಖುಷಿ ಕಮ್ಯುನಿಟಿಯಲ್ಲಿರೋ ಮಕ್ಕಳಿಗೆ ಅಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಸ್ಕೂಲ್ಗೆ ಹೋಗ್ದಿರೋ ಮಕ್ಕಳು ಯಾರ್ಯಾರು ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಆಡೋಕ್ಕೆ ಇಂಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ ಇದೆ ಅವ್ರಿಗೆ ಎವ್ರಿ ಡೇ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಅರ್ಲಿ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ತರ್ಟಿಗೆ ಬಂದು ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರಾಮ್ನ ಮಾಡ್ತಾಯಿದ್ವಿ ಆ ಥರ ಅದು ಆದಾಗಿಂದ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಆದಾಗಿಂದ ಯಾರೂ ಕಸ ಎಲ್ಲ ಏನೂ ಹಾಕಲ್ಲ ಚೆನ್ನಾಗಿ ಮೇಂಟೈನ್ ಮಾಡ್ತಿದ್ದಾರೆ ಅಕಸ್ಮಾತ್ ನಾವು ಒನ್ ವೀಕ್ ಇಲ್ಲ ಅಂದ್ರೂ ಬರೋ ಮಕ್ಕಳು ಬೇರೆ ಬರೋ ಮಕ್ಕಳು ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ನ ಚೆನ್ನಾಗಿ ನೋಡಿಕೊಂಡು ನಾವು ಕಸ ಇದ್ದರೆ ಎತ್ತಿಟ್ಬಿಟ್ಟು ಕ್ರಿಕೆಟ್ ಆಡೋದ್ಮೇಲೆ ಸ್ಟೋನ್ಸ್ ಎಲ್ಲ ಎತ್ತಿಟ್ಬಿಟ್ಟು ಹೋಗ್ತಾರೆ ಒಂದು ಇಂಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಏನು ಅಂತಂದರೆ ಪ್ರೈವೇಟ್ ಕ್ಲಬ್ಸ್ ಇದೆ ಎಲ್ಲ ಇದೆ ಬಟ್ ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಹೋಗೋ ಮಕ್ಕಳ ಒಂದು ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಯಾವ ರೀತಿ ಇರುತ್ತೆ ಅಂದರೆ ಪೇರೆಂಟ್ಸ್ ತುಂಬ ರಿಚ್ ಆಗಿರ್ತಾರೆ ಅವ್ರಿಗೆ ಎಷ್ಟೇ ಸ್ಪೆಂಡ್ ಮಾಡೋದಕ್ಕೂ ರೆಡಿ ಇರ್ತಾರೆ ಇವಾಗ ಒಂದು ಮಗುನ ಒಂದು ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಕ್ಲಬ್ಗೆ ಹಾಕ್ತಾರೆ ಅಂದರೆ ಅವ್ರೊಂದು ಫೈವ್ ತೌಸಂಡ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ತೌಸಂಡ್ ಇಲ್ಲ ಟೆನ್ ತೌಸಂಡ್ವರೆಗೂ ಸ್ಪೆಂಡ್ ಮಾಡೋಕ್ಕೆ ರೆಡಿ ಇರ್ತಾರೆ ಬಟ್ ಇಲ್ಲಿರೋ ಕಮ್ಯುನಿಟಿ ಮಕ್ಕಳಿಗೆ ಪೇರೆಂಟ್ಸ್ ಪಾಪ ಕೂಲಿ ಕೆಲಸಕ್ಕೆ ಹೋಗೋರು ಅವ್ರಿಗೆ ಒಂದು ತೌಸಂಡ್ ರುಪೀಸ್ ಸ್ಪೆಂಡ್ ಮಾಡಿ ಮಗುಗೊಂದು ಬಾಲ್ ಇಸ್ಕೊಡ್ಬೇಕಂದ್ರೂ ಕಷ್ಟ ಆಗುತ್ತೆ ಅದರಿಂದ ನಾವು ಪ್ಲ್ಯಾನ್ ಮಾಡಿದ್ದು ಈ ಥರ ಒಂದು ಪಬ್ಲಿಕ್ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಆದರೆ ನಮ್ಮ ಸ್ಕೂಲೇ ಅಂತಲ್ಲ ಬೇರೆ ಸ್ಕೂಲ್ ಮಕ್ಕಳು ಕೂಡ ಬಂದು ಯೂಸ್ ಮಾಡ್ಬೋದು ಬೇರೆ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಸ್ ಬಂದು ಯೂಸ್ ಮಾಡ್ಬೋದು ವಯಸ್ಸಾಗಿರೋರು ಯೂಸ್ ಮಾಡ್ಬೋದು ಅದರಿಂದ ಪಬ್ಲಿಕ್ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ನ ಚೂಸ್ ಮಾಡಿ ನಾವು ಇದು In a city that is constantly trying to offer its residents real estate that is facing a lake or that promises green space with trees and parks within it, it is important to fight for space that is open to all, accessible to all. Public space can transform people's lives, especially young people. And the future of Bengaluru's public spaces is connected with our relationship with the outdoors. While many small, impassioned, successful initiatives exist and have been born in Bengaluru, this hasn't translated to widespread change. We may think we are doing a lot, but there is a lot more to do. It starts with access and only then can it become action. So, Kartik, any last thoughts? Reflecting back on the times that we grew up in and the kind of things that we did, we could pretty much go anywhere and spend time sitting near a stream, maybe look at birds whatever else that you did today this whole effort to create awareness amongst people is being limited by a couple of things one we spoke about how the city is growing and therefore the natural spaces are diminishing that's definitely one on the other side there is also the unavailability or non availability of access to wild areas everything is pretty much locked and closed and you need permissions for everything at the same time i think genuine interest should be recognized so that more people can benefit from this and be able to learn this becomes very very crucial and also the third aspect that i would probably want to mention is the need for people who are senior enough who have put in a few years in learning about nature to go on to becoming good mentors uh, for example when i started i can talk about probably dr joseph george who started this whole birding activity in bangalore and i think that activity continues even today i think we've done it for more than 50 years now without a break the second sunday of the month the bird watchers meet and there's so much of dynamics there new people come people are asking questions about a variety of things there's always somebody to answer it's not just birds it's butterflies like i said i introduced butterflies to this group so much of learning is constantly happening and i guess that kind of mentorship is also i think very very necessary and doing a lot of these things online and citizen science and all is definitely good but to get a larger reach but then again to groom people to go on to becoming good naturalists or maybe continue their interest in nature in a positive way i guess is very very crucial ನಮಗೆ ಮೊದಲು ತುಂಬ ಫೀಲಿಂಗ್ ಫೀಲಿಂಗ್ ಆಗ್ತಿತ್ತು ಮನೇಲೆ ಇದ್ದು ನಮಗೆ ತುಂಬ ಬೋರ್ ಆಗುತ್ತೆ ಎಂದು
ಆಟ ಆಡೋದಂಥದ್ದು ವಸ್ತುಗಳು ಕೊಟ್ಟರು ಸ್ಲಿಪ್ಪಿಂಗ್ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ದು ಅದೆಲ್ಲ ಕೊಟ್ಟರು ಮತ್ತು ಸ್ಕೂಲಲ್ಲೇ ಇದ್ದು ನಮಗೆ ಓದಿ ಓದಿ ಎಲ್ಲ ಓದೋದೇ ನಮಗೆ ತಲೆಯಲ್ಲಿ ತುಂಬಿದ್ದು ಮತ್ತು ಇಲ್ಲಿ ಅಕ್ಕ ನಿಮಗೆ ಓದೋದ್ರ ಬಗ್ಗೆ ತುಂಬ ತಲೆ ತುಂಬಿದೆ ಅಂತಂದು ಆವಾಗವಾಗ ಗ್ರೌಂಡಿಗೆ ಕರ್ಕೊಂಡ್ಬರ್ತಿದ್ರು ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಅದರಿಂದ ನಾವು ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲಿನ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಕಲ್ತ್ವಿ ಮತ್ತು ಗ್ರೌಂಡಲ್ಲಿ ನಾವು ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಸ್ಕೂಲ್ ಹತ್ರ ಆದರೆ ಒಂದು ಚಿಕ್ಕ ಚಿಕ್ಕ ಆಟ ಆಡಿಬಿಟ್ಟು ಅಷ್ಟೇ ಬಿಡ್ತಿದ್ವಿ ಗ್ರೌಂಡು ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಅನ್ನೋದು ಬಂತು ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಬ ಗ್ರೌಂಡಲ್ಲಿ ಬಂದ್ವಿ ತುಂಬ ಖುಷಿ ಆಗ್ತಿತ್ತು ನಮಗೆ ಈ ಗ್ರೌಂಡಲ್ಲಿ ಆಟ ಆಡುವಾಗ ಆಗ ಇಲ್ಲಿ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಮಾಡಿದಾಗಿಂದ ನಾವು ಕ್ರಿಕೆಟ್ ಆಡ್ತೀವಿ ಭಾನುವಾರ ಭಾನುವಾರ ಮತ್ತು ಕಬಡ್ಡಿ ಎಲ್ಲ ಟೂರ್ನಮೆಂಟ್ ಇಲ್ಲೇ ಬರುತ್ತೆ ಅವಾಗ ಫುಲ್ಲು ಜನ ಇರ್ತಾರೆ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಫುಲ್ಲು ಆವಾಗ ನೋಡೋಕ್ಕೆ ಒಂಥರ ಜಾತ್ರೆ ತುಂಬಿರುತ್ತೆ ಜನ ಇಲ್ಲಿ ಭಾನುವಾರ ಭಾನುವಾರ ಸಂಡೆ ಸಂಡೆ ಅದು ಕಲಿತು ನೆಕ್ಸ್ಟು ರಗ್ಬಿ ಕಲ್ತ್ವಿ ಆಮೇಲೆ ಡ್ರಾಯಿಂಗ್ ಮಾಡೋದೆಲ್ಲ ಕಲ್ತ್ವಿ ಆಮೇಲೆ ರಗ್ಬಿ ಮ್ಯಾಚ್ಗೆಲ್ಲ ಹೋಗ್ತಿದ್ವಿ ವರ್ಷ ವರ್ಷ ಈ ವರ್ಷ ಕೊರೋನಾಯಿಂದ ಹೋಗೋಕ್ಕಾಗಿಲ್ಲ ಫುಟ್ಬಾಲ್ ಮ್ಯಾಚ್ಗೂ ಹೋಗ್ತಿದ್ವಿ ಕೊರೋನಾ ಬಂದಿದ್ರಿಂದ ಯಾವ ಮ್ಯಾಚ್ಗೂ ಹೋಗ್ತಿಲ್ಲ ತುಂಬ ಬೇಡ ಮನೇಲಿ ಇದ್ಬಿಟ್ಟು ಏನು ಮಾಡೋದು ಅಂತಲೇ ಗೊತ್ತಾಗ್ತಿದ್ದಿಲ್ಲ ಮನೇಲಿ ಜೇಲಲ್ಲಿ ಕೂಡಾಕಿರೋ ಥರ ಕೂಡಾಕ್ತಿದ್ರು Thanks for listening. I'm Manasi Pingre. Thanks to Uma Ramakrishna, Karthikeyan Srinivasan, Varshan Pallavi from Dreamer Dream, Clifton Rosario, Kavita Krishnamurthy, and thanks to all the kids who talk to us about football. For more information, please go to our website at bengalurusustainabilityforum.org and follow us on social media at SustainBLR. And also don't forget to look out for Subhu the Loris.